It's amazing how fast uh, the Christmases just kind of add up after a while. I, I remember when my kids were very young, in fact, uh, Christmas was just so magical. It still is, now they're adults, but uh, this is a picture of Alex and Allie when they were five and three, uh, 17 years ago, and I have not uh, gained any weight since then. <laughs> but uh, Christmas brings a lot, a lot of fond memories of my kids and my family, and and uh, th- this Christmas in particular is very unique in, in that I'm hosting for the first time. I'm, I'm, I'm hosting at my place in Plymouth. So not only the pressure of a Christmas sermon, but also the pressure of actually hosting my family of 10 at my place. And uh, some of them are right here, and hopefully the turkey turns out okay. Um, thank you, Lons and Byerly's, for a pre-cooked turkey. <laughs> it took a whole load off my shoulders. And by the way, if I don't have to stand in line again at, at Target or Cub Foods or Lunds and Barley's, I'll be in heaven. How many are so exhausted just trying to find a parking spot? Okay. Some of you are like, is this the Christmas message, really? <laughs> All right. Let me jump in. The year is 1965. The TV station was CBS and Charles Schultz from St. Paul the cartoonist, a team of artists and producers were putting on the very first time Peanuts on TV called A Charlie Brown Christmas. It was, it was groundbreaking. And despite uh, his success as a cartoonist, they didn't have a lot of confidence that this special on TV would actually work. They had kids doing voices for Lucy and Linus and, and Schroeder and, and Charlie Brown. And then also the soundtrack was jazz went against everything that was happening in public television at, the, at, the, at, at that time. And uh, right in the middle of A Charlie Brown Christmas, if you remember this, this iconic historic special that all of us have seen probably 20 times, Linus walks across the middle of the stage, blanket in tow, to tell Charlie Brown what Christmas is really about. And here's a clip from that. I don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That image right there. Linus recites this long narrative from Luke chapter 2, and then he puts his thumb in his mouth. It's fantastic. And it's interesting when you read about the story uh, behind it, because there was controversy about uh, that section being in there. The first time that the birth narrative of Luke chapter 2 would actually be read on public television. In fact, half of America had tuned into that night 
to actually watch A Charlie Brown Christmas. It was not a flop, as we know from, from history. But it was interesting, one of the main producers towards the end wanted to pull that scene right out of the, the special. He, he said this to Schultz, we do not need religion in this, in this uh, holiday special. Schultz responded back, if we don't tell him what Christmas is all about, who will? And he stood his ground. And it's been a part of, uh, I think, American history ever since then. But it's exactly what, what Linus is talking about. He's talking about Jesus Christ, the, the birth of Christ, that he would bring peace on earth and goodwill towards humanity. But I don't think Linus really understood, and I don't think a lot of us under, really under, understand, that when we read Luke chapter 2, what is actually being proclaimed is that a king is born, the king. And that proclamation was absolutely dangerous and revolutionary because there was only one king at that time, and that was Caesar Augustus, as Luke chapter 2 begins with. And, and Caesar was known as the king of kings, the lord of lords, also the bringer of peace. And yet Luke says, no, there's, there's a different king that's being born here in Bethlehem, ironically, in the, the city of King David. And this king is going to be a different kind of king. In fact, uh, about 50 years later, the, the Apostle Paul, St. Paul, in 1 Timothy chapter uh, 6, verse 15, says this, that Jesus Christ is the only almighty God, the King of all kings, and the Lord of lords. Those were I mean, controversial, dangerous words to say in that day. And as Jesus as king, really the question for us what does that really matter for me? What does that matter for me? Because we have, we have the promise of kings in our lives, and, and we think we're going to have peace in our lives as a result. That if our political party is voted in, then everything's going to work out okay. Peace will be back in America. Everything will work out okay if we get the right people in political office. We have kings everywhere. It didn't simply stop with Caesar Augustus. We have other kings that we bow down to. Or kings like, if I can just simply maintain this job and my bonuses, my 401k, then I'm going to have peace in the little slice of earth that I have in my family and my friends. If, if I have that, if I have that, then I'll have peace. That's a king. You're bowing down to a different king. And yet Jesus Christ proclaims Luke in uh, chapter 2 that a new king is born, and this peace is a different kind of peace. This is a peace that's going to pass everything. It'll be eternal peace, something that we can have for the rest of our life. Just exactly like Linus says, from reciting from Luke chapter 2, verse 14, is that Jesus comes to bring peace on earth and goodwill on humanity. I want to talk about that what it means when we talk about peace. Because as we look back on 2017, if we were to say something that was in short supply in this past, past year, it'd be peace, wouldn't it? Very tumultuous uh, year in our lives. I mean, we had hostilities across the board, the lack of peace, hostilities everywhere. We had natural hostilities. We had hurricanes that swept across Texas and Florida and the Caribbean and Puerto Rico. We, had host we have hostilities that we read about all the time, ISIS, mass shootings, Harassment that's happening, as we hear from Hollywood, uh, TV personalities, uh, sports owners, athletes, you name it. It comes out every other day. We have hostility. Our, our, our world seems to be filled with hostility. 
Yet in the midst of this, in this Christmas, I want to encourage you, I want you to challenge you to accept the peace that Jesus Christ brings for us. This babe in a manger is much more than that. It's a king who's bringing a new kind of kingdom. He's bringing peace on earth. Peace on earth. And that word peace that is mentioned in Luke chapter 2 and later on Jesus talks about it all the time, that this peace actually is a loaded word. It's not simply the absence of conflict. It's much more than that. The peace that Jesus has talked, that came to represent in his kingdom and that's mentioned uh, throughout the scriptures is this peace is shalom. Let me hear you say shalom this Christmas. Shalom. A lot of us know what that means. But really, what that is, it's peace. It's a Hebrew word for peace, shalom. It actually means this. It means to be, have peace with each other, peace with ourselves, and peace with God. Back in the day of Jesus, their desire, their desire to live life when they woke up in the morning was to live shalom. That was their goal, was to be at peace with each other, peace with ourselves, and peace with God. And this afternoon, I want to walk through those three, simply in that order. Let's begin that first part, peace with each other. Last Sunday, this happened to catch a 60 Minutes interview, and I, I haven't watched 60 Minutes in quite a while, and it was actually candid and riveting. It was the story of a former white supremacist named Christian Piccolini. And Piccolini, at, at a very young age, living in Chicago, in Second City, he developed a hatred and an outright anger towards blacks and Jewish people. And he had... He had uh, one thing that he was looking for, though, in the midst of all this hate, was acceptance. And he found it in this group of skinheads in Chicago, in downtown Chicago. These skinheads took him in at age 14. And he felt like he had a family. And as a result, in over two years, Piccolini rose up the ranks to the point at age 16, he was head of the skinheads of Chicago. He was training hundreds of young boys on what to do and what kind of violence to bring on, to rot on, on, on people's lives, on blacks and Jewish people. And he, and he says this, Piccolini said that when I was 14, I went from a place of complete powerlessness to sell, now somebody who felt he had all the power in the world. He felt like a king. He felt like a king. And, and Piccolini said, though, that actually this, this sort of mirage of power really ex was exactly that, because when he went back to school at Eisenhower High School, where he went, he got into a fight with a black student, and he realized just how powerless he was, because the, the principal uh, brought him into the office with the, the security guard named Johnny Holmes. Both were African-American, and Piccolini, of course, hurled a number of racial insults at the principal, and tried to grab her, and then Johnny Holmes grabbed him and put him into a full Nelson, threw him down to the ground. Meanwhile, Piccolini is saying every racial epithet you can imagine at him. And then finally, the, the school expelled him, got him off the grounds, and even secured a restraining order to, to keep him away from the school. Okay. Years later, Piccolini uh, renounced white supremacy and actually uh, tried to turn his life around and began an entry position as a computer technician. What was his first job assignment? Eisenhower High School. 
where he went to school. He had to go back, his first job, and he said, I remember walking down the hallway, and right away I saw Johnny Holmes. And Piccolini said, I had so much shame. I had so much embarrassment over our last words, and all he could do was hang his head and say, I'm sorry. And he started breaking down crying, and then Johnny Holmes embraced him. And right after the interview, this is Christian Piccolini and Johnny Holmes uh, together as friends. It's an amazing story. And they have peace with each other. And it's, it's the kind of peace that comes from Christ that breaks down racial hostilities and, and breaks down the walls where we can be in right relationship with each other. It, this, this is the kind of stuff that only Jesus can provide in our world. It can't happen through simply being nice or humanitarian efforts. And Piccolini even, even said that, that I didn't have the ability to really make this happen with, with Johnny Holmes. But through Christ it happened, that we were actually brought together and now they're friends. And, and Piccolini said this, that after he said he was sorry and, and, and Holmes embraced him, he said, that conversation changed my life. Because this man who I had tormented, he didn't torment me back. He showed me compassion when I least deserved it, and he was the person I least deserved it from. It almost sounds like the gospel. Sounds like the peace that comes only from Jesus Christ. And Johnny Holmes is a Christian, and he exuded that and and exemplified that in his life towards Christian Piccolini. Amazing. How many of us? Maybe it's not as extreme, obviously, as white supremacy. But maybe for you, it, it's where you need to say, I'm sorry. That, that something happened. There's, there's a little bit of a hostility or some, some, something's amiss. Something's wrong in the force between you and, and another person. By, by, the, by the way, that, that was a Star Wars line there. Okay, keep moving on. Don't work. All right. Anyways, the, the fact that having peace with another person, a lot of times can simply begin with, I'm sorry. Those two words. It seems like so few of us want to say that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what happened 20 years ago. I'm I'm sorry for what happened last week. Imagine if you were to step out with courage and and actually say, I'm sorry. But very very few of us want to do that because it's a sign of weakness. It's a sign of powerlessness. But it can change it can change somebody's life, exactly like Piccolini said. It changed my life, he said. That's the kind of peace that Christ brought, is the shalom to make us in right relationship with each other. And I love what uh, Jesus says in terms of John 14, 27, that Jesus gives us this kind of peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. If you were to read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament, and you were to look at the number of times that Jesus says the word peace, you would be astounded. It's everywhere around his words and his life and his teaching. Peace I leave with with you. Shalom I give to you. It's a gift that God has given to us this Christmas, is to make peace with one another. It doesn't stop there. The kind of peace that that King Jesus brings to us on this Christmas is actually a peace with ourselves. And this is something that's, I think, often overlooked, is that it's easy for us to be down, to hang our heads in shame, just like Piccolini. 
And imagine for a moment if there was a giant chalkboard up here on the stage, and if we were to write down all your sins, or write down all my sins, the shame and guilt and embarrassment that you'd have, yet God, through Jesus Christ and the peace that he brings to make peace with ourselves, has a giant eraser, and he just erases that. Or it's like an etch-a-sketch where he shakes it and the slate is clean. That's the kind of peace that King Jesus brings. This babe in a manger is much more than some Hallmark card or an idyllic uh, manger scene on somebody's long during Christmas time. It's a lot more than that. It's loaded. It's loaded with right relationship with each other because we need to accept God's forgiveness. For some of you, this is the message that you need to hear this this afternoon is to know that God has forgiven you. You don't need to keep going back and confessing and confessing it. And, and when you find yourself, perhaps, in a quiet moment, all of a sudden that image or that thing that you did comes back into play. And for some reason, you can't forgive yourself. I remember not too long ago where I was with some mutual friends and I had denigrated a, another friend. And I thought it was funny I was kind of making some jokes, being sarcastic, but the other friend said, you know, Craig, that wasn't very nice. And I actually stood back and realized my words, and I was embarrassed. I went to this friend and apologized, and he forgave me, but I couldn't forgive myself. For some reason, there was something about that. I was like, I should have known better. And some of us are like that, that we make a mistake, we do something, it's like, you know, how many times do I have to learn on this. I should know better. I have higher expectations for myself. Those of you who are perfectionists or type A, you give yourself very, very little latitude. And when you make a mistake or you drop the ball, it's like you put so much pressure on yourself, so much guilt and shame. And I love what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25. We don't have a slide for this, but I'm just going to read it. God teaches us to look straight ahead with honest confidence in this key part right here. Don't hang your head in shame. This Christmas, don't, head, don't hang your head in, sh- in shame. You know there's something inside you, in your heart and your soul, that's amiss. It's time for you to accept the forgiveness from God and to forgive yourself. Because God has. You don't have to keep going back every time to confess that sin. And for me, it felt like that. I felt like, you know, like, like God was keeping a tally and, and, and he wasn't going to forgive, this, forgive that, that, that mistake I made. And I just remember finally getting to a point, and this may seem trite to you, but for me, in, inside kind of my inner landscape, something was amiss about what I had done to this friend. And, and, and then I began to think about Jesus. He came in this earth as a king, and then he gave his life on the cross so that I would be forgiven. And for me to not accept that forgiveness is to turn my back on the cross and the purpose of King Jesus coming into this world. Some of us need to forgive ourselves. From yesterday, last week, five years ago, that you have this weight that you're carrying. Piccolini said this. He said the forgiveness from Johnny Holmes wasn't just making peace with someone he hurt, It was also forgiveness for myself. And Holmes taught me, he said, that I had to forgive myself for what I had done. It's amazing. 
and by making peace with homes and making peace with himself, Piccolini is changing and making differences in this world. It's like this peace with others and this peace with himself has catapulted his life to really make a lasting difference. He has spoken to the United Nations on white supremacy. He does trainings now with police forces, with the FBI. He travels across the country on the tactics that are used by the white supremacists. He's making a lasting difference. And all that happened as a result of peace with Johnny Holmes and peace with himself. Imagine if he didn't have that. Imagine if he continued to walk with his head hanging in shame. The loss of him sharing and making a difference in a lot of ways for our police forces and our authorities. Well, lastly, it's peace with each other, peace with ourselves, but also importantly, peace with God. And that God sent his son as a king who leads not with might, but with peace. The way of life and the path of peace is a not, not a matter of a coercion as we're used to with the kings of our world or the controlling use of power. Peace occurs by us giving our lives to the one who's in control. For us to submit our lives, you and I were made to give to God and make him the manager, the CEO, the chairman of the board of our lives. That's what life is meant to be. And for, for us, it's to realize that I need to accept this peace. And you might step back and say, well, I, I don't have any hostility with God. Me, me and the man upstairs are okay. Things are fine. Things are going great. But, but if you haven't received into your life and made Jesus Christ the king of your life, then you still have hostility, whether you realize it or not. Paul is very clear in the book of Romans that because of sin, because of the sin in our lives and the sin in this world, that there is a hostility between me and God. And, and you might say, well, I don't really sin that much. I'm a really good person. I'm moral. I'm ethical most of the time, unless I'm on a golf course. Um, I'm, a, I'm a good person. There's no hostility. I don't sin that much. Not that I can remember. William Backus, a Twin City psychologist, I've mentioned this a number of times, actually did a study on the average American, and, and, and I don't know exactly how he did it, but he, he estimated that the average American lies 200 times a day. And that's embellishments. That's, that's uh, adding a little... Uh, a little detail to a story. It's, it's, it's omitting the truth. But think about that for a second. That's a lot. And whether you're conscious of it or, of it or not, the, the truth is, is that you and I sin, and sin makes us enemies of God, hostility with God. This Christmas, will you make peace with God? Maybe for the first time. Or maybe you're here, it's been a while, and for you, it's to recommit in making peace with God. You know there's something in your, in your universe right now, in your world, that's a little amiss. And perhaps it's the lack of peace that you have with God. Maybe you're frustrated with him. Maybe you think he's not doing a good job based on this past year. 
Maybe it's a bad religious experience through a church. Whatever that is, maybe there's something here between you and God, and you need to make it right today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next week. Don't wait till next year. Make it now. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, I love this translation. Now that we've been put right with God through faith, okay, that's how it happens. You may want to write that down. Put right with God through faith. That's how it happens. Peace with God, being made right with him, happens through faith in him, in Christ. Where he becomes the king of your life. He becomes the Lord and Savior of your life. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the Christmas story. Will you accept that this afternoon, this evening? Will you live that out? I'm going to pray in a moment, and perhaps you're here, and you have not done that. Or maybe you think back in confirmation, back in the 80s or something, you prayed some prayer or something, and you think something happened there. But maybe right now you actually realize there's, there's a lack of peace between you and God. Jesus said this in what's called the best sermon in the history of the world, the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called sons and daughters of God. When you make peace with God, make in Jesus Lord and Savior, is that you get rid of that hostility and you become a son and daughter of God. Not every human being is a son or daughter of God. It's only those who make peace through Jesus Christ. Will you do that this evening? I'm going to pray. And if that's you, you can just say it silently. Repeat the words that I pray. And inviting Jesus Christ, this babe in a manger, who came as a king to give his life for you, so that you might be in right relationship with each other, with yourself, and with God. Will you accept that this this afternoon? Let me pray. God in heaven, some of us are here, and we need to make peace with you. And for those that are here that have not done that with heads bowed, eyes closed, is simply to say this, dear Jesus, On Christmas Eve 2017, I make you the king of my life. You are my Lord and Savior. I confess my sins. And my sins, for to imagine on a chalkboard, have now been erased because you gave your life for that. And now, as I receive this relationship through faith, let me go out as a person of peace, seeking to have peace with others around me and peace with myself. And may you be glorified. And God, we thank you for this service. Thank you for the opportunity that we have as a community to come together and join millions of Christians right at this moment around the world who are singing and remembering the Christmas story and remembering King Jesus, the babe in the manger, because that's what Christmas is all about. Amen.